Chapter twenty four of the May Flower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The May Flower and Miscellaneous Writings. Chapter twenty four The Two Altars or two pictures in one one the altar of liberty or seventeen seventy six the well sweep of the old house on the hill was relieved dark and clear against the reddening sky as the early winter sun was going down in the west it was a brisk clear metallic evening the long drifts of snow blushed crimson red on their tops and lay in shades of purple and lilac in the hollows and the old wintry wind brushed shrewdly along the plain tingling people's noses blowing open their cloaks puffing in the back of their necks and showing other unmistakable indications that he was getting up steam for a real roistering night hurrah how it blows said little dick ward from the top of the mossy woodpile now dick had been sent to said woodpile in company with his little sister grace to pick up chips which everybody knows was in the olden time considered a wholesome and gracious employment and a peculiar duty of the rising generation but said dick being a boy had mounted the woodpile and erected there a flagstaff on which he was busily tying a little red pocket-handkerchief occasionally exhorting grace to be sure and pick up fast oh yes i will said grace but you see the chips have got ice on em and makes my hands so cold oh don't stop to suck your thumbs who cares for ice pick away i say while i set up the flag of liberty so grace picked away as fast as she could nothing doubting but that her cold thumbs were in some mysterious sense an offering on the shrine of liberty while soon the red handkerchief duly secured fluttered and snapped in the brisk evening wind now you must hurrah gracie and throw up your bonnet said dick as he descended from the pile but won't it lodge down in some place in the woodpile suggested grace thoughtfully oh never fear give it to me and just holler now gracie hurrah for liberty and we'll throw up your bonnet and my cap and we'll play you know that we are a whole army and i'm general washington so grace gave up her little red hood and dick swung his cap and up they both went into the air and the children shouted and the flag snapped and fluttered and altogether they had a merry time of it but then the wind good-for-nothing roguish fellow made an ungenerous plunge at poor grace's little hood and snipped it up in a twinkling and whisked it off 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 fluttering and bobbing up and down quite across a wide waste snowy field and finally lodged it on the top of a tall strutting rail that was leaning very independently quite another way from all the other rails of the fence now see do you said grace there goes my bonnet what will aunt hitty say and grace began to cry don't you cry gracie you offered it up to liberty you know it's glorious to give up everything for liberty oh but aunt hitty won't think so 
well don't cry gracie you foolish girl do you think i can't get it now only play that that great rail is a fort and your bonnet is a prisoner in it and see how quick i'll take the fort and get it and dick shouldered a stick and started off what upon earth keeps those children so long i should think they were making chips said aunt mehitable the fire's just a-going out under the tea-kettle by this time grace had lugged her heavy basket to the door and was stamping the snow off her little feet which were so numb that she needed to stamp to be quite sure they were yet there aunt mehitable's shrewd face was the first that greeted her as the door opened gracie what on earth wipe your nose child your hands are frozen where alive is dick and what's kept you out all this time and where's your bonnet poor grace stunned by this cataract of questions neither wiped her nose nor gave any answer but sidled up into the warm corner where grandmamma was knitting and began quietly rubbing and blowing her fingers while the tears silently rolled down her cheeks as the fire made the former ache intolerably poor little dear said grandmamma taking her hands in hers hitty shan't scold you grandma knows you've been a good girl the wind blew poor gracie's bonnet away and grandmamma wiped both eyes and nose and gave her moreover a stalk of dried fennel out of her pocket whereat grace took heart once more mother always makes fools of roxy's children said mehitable puffing jealously under the tea-kettle there's a little maple sugar in that saucer up there mother if you will keep giving it to her she said still vigorously puffing and now gracie said she when after a while the fire seemed in tolerable order will you answer my question where is dick gone over in the lot to get my bonnet how came your bonnet off said aunt mehitable i tied it on firm enough dick wanted me to take it off for him to throw up for liberty said grace throw up for a fiddlestick just one of dick's cut-ups and you was silly enough to mind him why he put up a flagstaff on the woodpile and a flag to liberty you know that papa's fighting for said grace more confidently as she saw her quiet blue-eyed mother who had silently walked into the room during the conversation grace's mother smiled and said encouragingly and what then why he wanted me to throw up my bonnet and he his cap and shout for liberty and then the wind took it and carried it off and he said i ought not to be sorry if i did lose it it was an offering to liberty and so i did said dick who was standing as straight as a poplar behind the group and i heard it in one of father's letters to mother that we ought to offer up everything on the altar of liberty and so i made an altar of the woodpile good boy said his mother always remember everything your father writes he has offered up everything on the altar of liberty true enough and i hope you son will live to do the same only if i have hoods and caps to make said aunt hetty i hope you won't offer them up every week that's all oh well aunt hetty i've got the hood let me alone for that it blew clear over into the daddy ward pasture lot and there stuck on the top of the great rail and i played that the rail was a fort and besieged it and took it 
oh yes you're always up to taking forts and anything else that nobody wants done i'll warrant now if you left gracie to pick up every blessed one of them chips picking up chips is girls work said dick and taking forts and defending the country is men's work and pray mr pomp how long have you been a man said aunt hitty if i ain't a man i soon shall be my head is most up to my mother's shoulder and i can fire off a gun too i tried the other day when i was up to the store mother i wish you'd let me clean and load the old gun so that if the british should come well if you are so big and grand just lift me out that table sir said aunt hitty for it's past supper time dick sprang and had the table out in a trice with an abundant clatter and put up the leaves with quite an air his mother with the silent and gliding motion characteristic of her quietly took out the tablecloth and spread it and began to set the cups and saucers in order and to put on the plates and knives while aunt hitty bustled about the tea i'll be glad when this war's over for one reason said she i'm pretty much tired of drinking sage tea for one i know well aunt hitty how you scolded that peddler last week that brought along the real tea to be sure i did suppose i'd be taking any of his old tea bought of the british fling every teacup in his face first well mother said dick i never exactly understood what it was about the tea and why the boston folks threw it overboard because there was an unlawful tax laid upon it that the government had no right to lay it wasn't much in itself but it was a part of a whole system of oppressive meanness designed to take away our rights and make us slaves of a foreign power slaves said dick straightening himself proudly father a slave but they would not be slaves they saw clearly where it would all end and they would not begin to submit to it in ever so little said the mother i wouldn't if i was they said dick besides said his mother drawing him towards her it wasn't for themselves alone they did it this is a great country and it will be greater and greater and it's very important that it should be free and have equal laws because it will by and by be so great this country if it is a free one will be a light of the world a city set on a hill that cannot be hid and all the oppressed and distressed from other countries shall come here to enjoy equal rights and freedom this dear boy is why your father and uncles have gone to fight and why they do stay and fight though god knows what they suffer and the large blue eyes of the mother were full of tears yet a strong bright beam of pride and exultation shone through those tears well well roxy you can always talk everybody knows said aunt hitty who had been not the least attentive listener of this little patriotic harangue but you see the tea is getting cold and yonder i see the sleigh is at the door and john's come so let's set up our chairs for supper the chairs were soon set up when john the eldest son a lad of about fifteen entered with a letter there was one general exclamation and stretching out of hands towards it john threw it into his mother's lap the tea-table was forgotten and the tea-kettle sang unnoticed by the fire as all hands crowded about mother's chair to hear the news it was from captain ward then in the american army at valley forge mrs ward ran it over hastily and then read it aloud 
a few words we may extract there is still it said much suffering i have given away every pair of socks you sent me reserving to myself only one for i will not be one whit better off than the poorest soldier that fights for his country poor fellows it makes my heart ache sometimes to go round among them and see them with their worn clothes and torn shoes and often bleeding feet yet cheerful and hopeful and every one willing to do his very best often the spirit of discouragement comes over them particularly at night when weary cold and hungry they turn into their comfortless huts on the snowy ground then sometimes there is a thought of home and warm fires and some speak of giving up but next morning out comes washington's general orders little short note but it's wonderful the good it does and then they all resolve to hold on come what may there are commissioners going all through the country to pick up supplies if they come to you i need not tell you what to do i know all that will be in your hearts there children see what your father suffers said the mother and what it costs these poor soldiers to gain our liberty Ephraim Scranton told me that the commissioners had come as far as the Three Mile Tavern, and that he rather expected they'd be along here to-night, said John, as he was helping round the baked beans to the silent company at the tea-table. "'Tonight? Do tell now,' said Aunt Hitty. "'Then it's time we were awake and stirring. Let's see what can be got.' "'I'll send my new overcoat for one,' said John. "'That old one isn't cut up yet, is it, Aunt Hitty?' no said aunt hitty i was laying out to cut it over next wednesday when desiree smith could be here to do the tailoring there's the south room said aunt hitty musing that bed has two old aunt ward blankets on it and the great blue quilt and two comforters then mother's in my room two pair four comforters two quilts the best chamber has got oh aunt hitty send all that's in the best chamber if any company comes we can make it up off from our beds said john i can send a blanket or two off from my bed i know can't but just turn over in it so many clothes on now aunt hitty take a blanket off from our bed said grace and dick at once well well we'll see said aunt hitty bustling up up rose grandmamma with great earnestness now and going into the next room and opening a large cedar wood-chest returned bearing in her arms two large snow-white blankets which she deposited flat on the table just as aunt hitty was whisking off the tablecloth martle mother what are you going to do said aunt hitty there she said i spun those every thread of em when my name was mary evans those were my wedding blankets made of real nice wool and worked with roses in all the corners i've got them to give and grandmamma stroked and smoothed the blankets and patted them down with great pride and tenderness it was evident she was giving something that lay very near her heart but she never faltered la mother there's no need of that said aunt hetty use them on your own bed and send the blankets off from that they are just as good for the soldiers no i shan't said the old lady waxing warm tisn't a bit too good for em i'll send the very best i've got before they shall suffer send em the best and the old lady gestured oratorically 
they were interrupted by a rap at the door and two men entered and announced themselves as commissioned by congress to search out supplies for the army now the plot thickens and hitty flew in every direction through entry passage meal room milk room down cellar up chamber her cap border on end with patriotic zeal and followed by john dick and grace who eagerly bore to the kitchen the supplies that she turned out while mrs ward busied herself in quietly sorting and arranging in the best possible travelling order the various contributions that were precipitately launched on the kitchen floor and hitty soon appeared in the kitchen with an armful of stockings which kneeling on the floor she began counting and laying out there she said laying down a large bundle on some blankets that leaves just two pair apiece all round la said john what's the use of saving two pair for me i can do with one pair as well as father sure enough said his mother besides i can knit you another pair in a day and i can do with one pair said dick yours will be too small young master i guess said one of the commissioners no said dick i've got a pretty good foot of my own and aunt hitty will always knit my stockings an inch too long cause she says i grow so see here these will do and the boy shook his triumphantly and mine too said grace nothing doubting having been busy all this time in pulling off her little stockings here she said to the man who was packing the things into a wide mouth sack here's mine and her large blue eyes looked earnestly through her tears and hitty flew to her good land the child's crazy don't think the men could wear your stockings take em away grace looked around with an air of utter desolation and began to cry i wanted to give them something said she i'd rather go barefoot on the snow all day than not send them anything give me the stockings my child said the old soldier tenderly there i'll take em and show em to the soldiers and tell them what the little girl said that sent them and it will do them as much good as if they could wear them they've got little girls at home too grace fell on her mother's bosom completely happy and aunt hitty only muttered everybody does spile that child and no wonder neither soon the old sleigh drove off from the brown house tightly packed and heavily loaded and grace and dick were creeping up to their little beds there's been something put on the altar of liberty to-night hasn't there dick yes indeed said dick and looking up to his mother he said but mother what did you give i said the mother musingly yes you mother what have you given to your country all that i have dears she said laying her hands gently on their heads my husband and my children two the altar of blank or eighteen fifty the setting sun of chill december lighted up the solitary front window of a small tenement on blank street in boston which we now have occasion to visit as we push gently aside the open door we gain sight of a small room clean as busy hands can make it where a neat cheerful young mulatto woman is busy at an ironing table a basket full of glossy bosomed shirts and faultless collars and wristbands is beside her into which she is placing the last few items with evident pride and satisfaction 
a bright black-eyed boy just come in from school with his satchel of books over his shoulder stands cap in hand relating to his mother how he has been at the head of his class and showing his school tickets which his mother with untiring admiration deposits in the little real china teapot which as being their most reliable article of gentility is made the deposit of all the money and most especial values of the family now henry says the mother look out and see if father is coming along the street and she begins filling the little black tea kettle which is soon set singing on the stove from the inner room now daughter mary a well-grown girl of thirteen brings the baby just roused from a nap and very impatient to renew his acquaintance with his mamma bless his bright eyes mother will take him ejaculates the busy little woman whose hands are by this time in a very flowery condition in the incipient stages of wetting up biscuit in a minute and she quickly frees herself from the flour and paste and deputing mary to roll out her biscuit proceeds to the consolation and succor of young master now henry says the mother you'll have time before supper to take that basket of clothes up to mr sheldon's put in that nice bill that you made out last night i shall give you a cent for every bill you write out for me what a comfort it is now for one's children to be getting learning so henry shouldered the basket and passed out the door just as a neatly dressed colored man walked up with his pail and whitewash brushes oh you've come father have you mary are the biscuits in you may as well set the table now well george what's the news nothing only a pretty smart day's work i've brought home five dollars and shall have as much as i can do these two weeks and the man having washed his hands proceeded to count out his change on the ironing table well it takes you to bring in the money said the delighted wife nobody but you could turn off that much in a day well they do say those that's had me once that they never want any other hand to take hold in their rooms i suppose it's a kinder practice i've got and kinder natural tell you what said the little woman taking down the family strong box to wit the china teapot aforenamed and pouring the contents on the table we're getting mighty rich now we can afford to get henry his new sunday cap and marry her mousseline delaine dress take care baby you rogue she hastily interposed as young master made a dive at a dollar bill for his share in the proceeds he wants something too i suppose said the father let him get his hand in while he's young the baby gazed with round astonished eyes while mother with some difficulty rescued the bill from his grasp but before any one could at all anticipate his purpose he dashed in among the small change with such zeal as to send it flying all over the table hurrah bob's a smasher said the father delighted he'll make it fly he thinks and taking the baby on his knee he laughed merrily as mary and her mother pursued the rolling coin all over the room he knows now as well as can be that he's been doing mischief said the delighted mother as the baby kicked and crowed uproariously he's such a forward child now to be only six months old oh you've no idea father how mischievous he grows and therewith the little woman began to roll and tumble the little mischief-maker about uttering diverse frightful threats which appeared to contribute in no small degree to the general hilarity 
come come mary said the mother at last with a sudden burst of recollection you mustn't be always on your knees fooling with this child look in the oven at them biscuits they're done exactly mother just the brown and with the word the mother dumped baby on to his father's knees where he sat contentedly munching a very ancient crust of bread occasionally improving the flavor thereof by rubbing it on his father's coat sleeve what have you got in that blue dish there said george when the whole little circle were seated around the table well now what do you suppose said the little woman delighted a quart of nice oysters just for a treat you know i wouldn't tell you till this minute she said raising the cover well said george we both work hard for our money and we don't owe anybody a cent and why shouldn't we have our treats now and then as well as rich folks and gaily past the supper hour the tea kettle sung the baby crowed and all chattered and laughed abundantly i'll tell you wife said george wiping his mouth these times are quite another thing from what it used to be down in georgia i remember then old master used to hire me out by the year and one time i remember i came and paid him in two hundred dollars every cent i'd taken he just looked it over counted it and put it in his pocket-book and said you are a good boy george and he gave me half a dollar <gasps> i want to know now said his wife yes he did and that was every cent i ever got of it and i tell you i was mighty bad off for clothes them times well well the lord be praised they're over and you are in a free country now said the wife as she rose thoughtfully from the table and brought her husband the great bible the little circle were ranged around the stove for evening prayers henry my boy you must read you are a better reader than your father thank god that let you learn early the boy with a cheerful readiness read the lord is my shepherd and the mother gently stilled the noisy baby to listen to the holy words then all kneeled while the father with simple earnestness poured out his soul to god they had but just risen the words of christian hope and trust scarce died on their lips when lo the door was burst open and two men entered and one of them advancing laid his hand on the father's shoulder this is the fellow said he you are arrested in the name of the united states said the other gentlemen what is this said the poor man trembling are you not the property of mr b of georgia said the officer gentlemen i've been a free hard-working man these ten years yes but you are arrested on suit of mr b as his slave shall we describe the leave-taking the sorrowing wife the dismayed children the tears the anguish that simple honest kindly home in a moment so desolated ah ye who defend this because it is law think for one hour what if this that happens to your poor brother should happen to you it was a crowded courtroom, and the man stood there to be tried. For life? No. But for the life of life. For liberty. Lawyers hurried to and fro, buzzing, consulting, bringing authorities, all anxious, zealous, engaged. For what? To save a fellow man from bondage? No. Anxious and zealous, lest he might escape. Full of zeal to deliver him over to slavery 
the poor man's anxious eyes follow vainly the busy course of affairs from which he dimly learns that he is to be sacrificed on the altar of the union that his heartbreak and anguish and the tears of his wife and the desolation of his children are in the eyes of these well-informed men only the bleat of a sacrifice bound to the horns of the glorious american altar again it is a bright day the business walks brisk in this market senators and statesmen the learned and patriotic are out this day to give their countenance to an edifying and impressive and truly american spectacle the sale of a man all the preliminaries of the scene are there dusky-browed mothers looking with sad eyes while speculators are turning round their children looking at their teeth and feeling of their arms a poor old trembling woman helpless half-blind whose last child is to be sold holds on to her bright boy with trembling hands husbands and wives sisters and friends all soon to be scattered like the chaff of the threshing-floor look sadly on each other with poor nature's last tears and among them walk briskly glib oily politicians and thriving men of law letters and religion exceedingly sprightly and in good spirits for why it isn't they that are going to be sold it's only somebody else and so they are very comfortable and look on the whole thing as quite a matter-of-course affair and as it is to be conducted to-day a decidedly valuable and judicious exhibition and now after so many hearts and souls have been knocked and thumped this way and that way by the auctioneer's hammer comes the instructive part of the whole and the husband and father whom we saw in his simple home reading and praying with his children and rejoicing in the joy of his poor ignorant heart that he lived in a free country is now set up to be admonished of his mistake now there is great excitement and pressing to see an exultation and approbation for it is important and interesting to see a man put down that he has tried to be a free man that's he is it couldn't come it could he says one no and he never will come it that's more says another triumphantly i don't generally take much interest in scenes of this nature says a grave representative but i came here to-day for the sake of the principle gentlemen says the auctioneer we've got a specimen here that some of your northern abolitionists would give any price for but they shan't have him no we've looked out for that the man that buys him must give bonds never to sell him to go north again go it shout the crowd good good hurrah an impressive idea says the senator a noble maintaining of principle and the man is bit off and the hammer falls with a last crash on his heart his hopes his manhood and he lies a bleeding wreck on the altar of liberty such was the altar in seventeen seventy six such is the altar in eighteen fifty end of chapter twenty four the two altars